0: On today's episode, we're talking to Rebecca Miki, a mom of two, a wife of one, and a children's sleep specialist who would not ever dream of telling you to leave your children to cry it out. Rebecca loves helping families turn drama into dreamland. When she's not momming, wifing, or consulting, you can find her either running rather slowly or sipping coffee in Seattle. So I know Rebecca through a couple different communities. I know her through some business stuff and events that we've gone to and groups that we participated in. And then I also know from the amazing running community through Running Evolution in Seattle with Beth Baker, the amazing Beth Baker. So, Rebecca and I have both done some training with Beth for running events. And so, we've not done our training at the same time. So, what happens is I see that Rebecca's doing a training with Beth on Facebook, and then pictures are posted in, of all their training runs, and I just get to cheer for Rebecca. And I got to do that while she was training for her first marathon a year or two ago. So, that was really fun. I'm a huge fan of Rebecca's because not only does she do things like Run a marathon when she has her own business and a couple of kids and a husband to take care of. But she also took great care of me unknowingly when Vinny was really little. So when Vinny was a baby, Rebecca and she still has it. She had this amazing Facebook page for her business, and she would answer baby and kids sleep questions on the page. And at that time, she was doing it on a weekly basis. She would do these Q and A's, and I would obsess over everything that she said because I was obsessed with my child going to sleep and staying asleep for as long as possible. So we're going to talk about that today. We'll actually talk about my experience, what I thought would happen versus what actually happened when my child was born and I thought he would just sleep all the time and I'd be able to work all the time. Because we all know that's not how it works out, right? So, we had a really fun time talking today about sleep, about parenting, and about what Rebecca brings to the table when she works with families. I also asked people to send in questions in advance of this interview, which was so great. So, I was able to give Rebecca a ton of questions that you guys all posted on Facebook, and we went through that. So, we talk about infants and newborns and sleep. We talk about how long it takes to get a baby on a schedule, because it doesn't happen in the first week like I thought it did. We talk about how to minimize nighttime waking. We talk about sleep habits and routines and the significance of that and what that looks like for an infant versus an older child. We talk about, I have to be very honest, I was selfish in some of my questions. So some of them are oriented towards three to four year olds, like my son. So we talked about what you can do to get kids to go to bed earlier or sleep in later. We talked about what you can do to uh, make sure your child does not get out of bed with 1 million requests. Although Rebecca insists that this is kind of a developmental thing and that Sometimes children just have a lot of requests. So but we do talk about strategies around all of that. And so it was a really fun conversation. And I love that Rebecca does bring some fun, some humor, and just a lot of practical advice where you do leave a conversation with her feeling like, oh yeah, I can totally do that. And that is a lot better than feeling like you have to listen to your baby screaming and crying it out, which I know for me was just not something I could do with the nature of my child and the anxiety that my child seemed to have from a very early age, and that the anxiety that I have all the time. So This is a great episode. Get ready to get all your sleepy time questions answered and get lots of insight into how to make your children a little bit better sleepers. Let's dive in with Rebecca Mickey. Rebecca Mickey, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm excited to have you here today.
1: Oh, I'm glad to be
0: here. Good. So we met in a mastermind group, I think was the first time we met, but then I've been stalking you online and it started when I had a tiny little screaming baby.
1: Yes, that's right. I'm probably not the only person that stalks you. No, I do meet a lot of people, yeah, who are like, oh my gosh, I follow you online. Yes,
0: yeah. And the value that you offer with your work in those first weeks of parenthood it's so significant because I know that for me, when I had the screaming baby and I didn't know what to do with him, I would read what you had written about sleep with tiny babies. But then I would also like watch other families questions and look ahead to like yes. a month. This is what he's going to be doing. So I made sure that I read anything you put on Facebook for months <laughs> so that I was prepared for like everything coming my way. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. So you have worked with kids for many years prior to working with children and families with sleep. Tell us a little bit about that and what you've done prior to the sleep specialty.
1: Yeah. So my degree is in child development, um, and I got that probably 150 years ago in <laughs> England. That's what it feels like anyway. And then i worked with families in many different settings, started out working in a daycare, worked my way up to managing daycares. I was a nanny. I've kind of done it all. I've worked with families in every single setting, I think. And that was my whole entire work life until I then had kids. And then I had that decision of, do I want to work with kids all day to then come back to my own kids? I did no, that's not what I want to do. And so then I started my business working with sleep.
0: Nice. And why did you choose sleep? I mean, I'm sure there's so many directions you could have gone with childhood development. Yes. Why did
1: you choose sleep? My kids were quite young. And I was just doing parenting consulting. So I was kind of helping with everything, tantrums and potty training and sleep and everything. And Nine times out of 10, I was working with families with sleep, even if they didn't get me in to work with sleep. Maybe they had a three-year-old who was having lots of tantrums and the three-year-old's getting five hours sleep a night. That That's why they're getting lots of tantrums, because they're okay. getting five hours sleep. We fixed the sleep. The tantrums disappear to a certain extent. And so it just seemed that, gosh, this is all, I'm always working with sleep. So that's when I decided that I really needed to be specializing that, both for that seemed to be what families really wanted help with and for a place to be moving then my business forward.
0: Oh, yeah. Gosh, that makes so much sense. Before we had a child, we had just a dog. And I remember I was like obsessed with Caesar Milan, the dog whisperer. And yep. so much of what he had to say was like, if you don't walk your dog and get your dog enough exercise, the dog is going to act out. And it sounds like you're suggesting that it can kind of be the same thing with kids and sleep. If they don't get the appropriate amount of sleep, then there's going to be all these little side effects that wreak havoc on the whole family.
1: Definitely. Like as an adult that like when it's tolerant relationships suffer. We make bad food choices. It affects absolutely everything. And this is as an adult, when when you're so tiny and have no idea what's going on, we're very much sort of driven by hunger and tiredness. That's when life is really hard.
0: Yes. And you have great advice. We're going to get into this in a few minutes, but you have such great advice about hunger and babies and eating and what's appropriate with that and how that relates to listening to the needs of your child, which was so valuable to me because I know when my son was screaming a lot and underfed and we couldn't figure out, I had so many problems with nursing and my mom was just like, just put some rice cereal in his bottle. I started giving, she's like, I'm pretty sure when you were like a week or two old, we just started doing that. And I was like, horrified but the bottom line was that like the baby needed more food and then he would sleep a lot better and ultimately like it was whatever that food needed to be and I was so resistant to formula and then finally it was like just give the baby the damn formula so that we can all live a more peaceful life yeah
1: and it made a big difference definitely yeah because it's hard nobody can sleep when they're hungry no And we all get hungry, whether yeah. you're a newborn or you're in your 40s totally. it's, so the same.
0: Totally. So you've turned this passion with sleep and families into a business and you run this all from home. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. Yeah, I do have an office because I do like to get out of the house. But yeah, basically, I'm at home now. Yeah, it's run from home. Nice.
0: And how did you go about building your business so that I'm assuming that that was you intended for it to be something you could do from home so that you could kind of stay close to your family and be on top of family stuff?
1: Yes. So that was very important to me was that I could still do all the stuff with the kids. So and I do 90% of the stuff, with my two daughters. So that was very important to me that I was able to do that. And so that was one of the reasons that I wanted to then start my own business. And I just wanted to have that flexibility, but also wanted to be helping families when it comes to it's obviously not a nine to five, because sleep is happening all through the night. Not that I'm there all through the night. Not <laughs> that I'm, if you text me in the middle of the night, I'm not answering. Uh, But it just does give me that much more of a flexibility to work and something that that really suits my family.
0: So Rebecca, you definitely went about and building a business around your passion in a way where you could prioritize your family. And a lot of that was just taking a step every day to build a business that worked for you and worked for your family, which can be kind of a scary move and kind of a bold move. But it's something that has definitely worked for you over time. Can you talk a little more about that?
1: Yeah, it's hard. It's a really hard thing to do because I feel like every single day I'm being pulled in 150 different directions. And then there's the guilt that comes with that. If I'm spending too much time with my family, I'm not putting enough into my business. If I'm spending too much time on my business, I'm not putting enough into my family. From what I've learned from doing this for enough years is that there isn't a happy medium there's always that little bit of guilt somewhere. I'm happy with that. I'm just accepting it. And I'm just sort of living with that. But it is very, very hard to do. But when I started my business, I had no clue. And so I was really lucky that I could just take that nice and slow. Yeah. And so then I really eased into the work family balance, because initially it was more family, less work. And it's just sort of grown over time. And I feel actually really lucky that the business has grown with my kids. So when they were really young, I was actually not really very busy at all. And then as they've got older and much more independent, my business has grown. And like my daughter now, she's just downstairs just doing, hopefully she's doing (laughs) some hats. But I'm not sure. She's probably watching TV. Um, So she can just be left. But seven years ago, no way could I have been doing this on a call now without you hearing things breaking in the background (laughs) and my kids screaming at each other. So it's just sort of my business has grown as the kids have grown, which has helped me so much. I feel very lucky that's really happened.
0: I think there's such an evolution that comes with building a business from home and like the evolution of parenthood and the evolution of building the business happens side by side. It can be a stressful thing, but it can be a really cool thing too. Yeah. This episode is supported by Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement. With over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Oh my gosh, I am a heavy shedder. So if you are a heavy shedder or if you are someone who's wanting to thicken your hair, I definitely want you to try out Nutrafol. I have loved using it myself, and I know multiple other people who've used it and have found great results. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86% percent of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol Women's Hair Growth Supplement for six months. To get started, you can take their hair quiz on Nutrafol.com, which will give you a personalized health plan based on your special root causes. Nutrafol is committed to helping you identify root causes of any shedding or hair loss so that you can really start to rebuild healthy hair in a way that is customized to you. So take the first steps to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code SHAMELESS. Find out why 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutriful for healthier hair. Go to Nutrafol.com, that's N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code SHAMELESS, Nutrafol.com, code SHAMELESS. they're specifically designed to combat New Aqua True. And here's the thing I swear it's like can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S. AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS.
1: Definitely. Tell, Tell us what you love most about your work. I love it when a family comes to me and they are incredibly sleep deprived and they're in crisis mode and they're so tired the family is not functioning well and then within four to six weeks we completely turn that around and so we're turning around the way the child's sleeping the way their parents are sleeping the parents relationship the parents relationship with the child we can completely turn that around and that just is such a good feeling knowing that i've been part of that and just given these families the confidence and the steps that they need to be able to get that
0: confidence with sleep is a big thing. (laughs) That's important. What things do you see parents doing that are not so effective?
1: Could be so many different things. (laughs) I would imagine the list is long. It's really long. And I'm a real firm believer that it's only a problem when it's a problem. So that may be a problem for them. And then what they're doing is just not working. And that's when it's a problem. So That Most people don't mind rocking a six-month-old to sleep. When you get into a three-year-old and you're still rocking your three-year-old to sleep, that's when it may be a little bit more of a problem. But it's only ineffective when it's ineffective for that family. So there's no real right and there's no real wrong as a way of looking at it as just as sleep. It's what's right or what's wrong for that individual family. And that's not for me to say, that's for them to tell me.
0: That makes so much sense. One of the best parenting advice I got was from a mom who said to me, she's like, don't listen to other people, do what works until it doesn't work anymore. And that was so helpful. She's like, if the baby sleeps in the swing every single day for six months and that works, do that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't matter.
0: Other people are going to give you all sorts of advice. Just do what works until it doesn't work anymore.
1: Exactly. That's great advice because when you want to change it, that's when you're going to change it is when you want to do it. Not because some random person in the supermarket tells you you need to stop doing that.
0: And it'll be obvious when things are not working.
1: Exactly. Then make a change. Yeah. That's the only time to do it is when you want to do it.
0: So let's talk about cry it out, which is a little mm-hmm. controversial. Let's talk about why you don't promote crying it out.
1: Okay. There's two reasons why I don't promote cry it out. One of them is that generally people who come to me have tried it and it didn't work, or they just really don't want to try it. So this is why when I'm working with families, we don't use it because they've either tried it, nope, their child cried for hours and hours and hours. And or this is something the family just can't do, so that's why when I'm working with families, we don't use that. I also think that when a child can with cried out, they can get to that panic, the fight or flight can be triggered, mm-hmm. and that then is not good for anybody. Nobody's sleeping at that point. I just think that though cried out works for a lot of families, works brilliantly sort of it's just too much of a risk for me Yeah. looking at especially when I'm looking at my kids and knowing their temperament and knowing them I know that it just wouldn't have worked for them and they would have been these kids that cried for eight hours (laughs) persistent (laughs) yes definitely that just doesn't sit comfortably for me and so especially when there are other gentle hands-on techniques you can use why not just use one of those I think that makes so much sense.
0: And I think you make such a great point about the personality of a child. I think that there's children that can like whimper and whine for a long time because they're overtired or whatever, but that's different than, I definitely knew like Vinny's desperate cry and he's just a really intense kid. His desperate cry comes out often because he's an intense kid. There was like, even though I would be so mad and so frustrated (laughs) trying to get him to sleep, it was like a biological thing. Like my stomach just, I could literally let him scream, even though... I wanted to be able to ignore him and I wanted to be able to walk away. I couldn't do it. And so yeah. we never did. I, oh, and I can even, when you're thinking about it, like makes my stomach go to that little pit of listening to that is just couldn't. And I'm wow. glad now, cause he's still a really intense kid. And I just want him to always know that like I'm on his side, even when I don't feel like being on his side, I'm on his side. <laughs> so. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And that's the thing. You knew that he wasn't just going to fuss around for right. 10, 20 minutes and then right. fall asleep. No. You knew that it was going to get to that real big urgent cry. Right. And that's kind of when you get to that real big urgent cry, it's kind of game over. Yeah. It's not happening. And so you knew that. And yeah. so that is not a technique that's going to work for him. Right.
0: From what I've read of your things and from what I've seen you talk about online. You don't necessarily say like, instead of cry it out, do A, B, and C, you kind of curtail things specific to the needs of the family and the child. Is that correct? That's right. Or do you have specific go-to techniques for alternatives for crying it out?
1: Yes. I came up with my sleep training technique after working with lots of other different people's techniques and realizing where and when it worked and when it didn't work. And that's when I came up with my technique, which I call the Mickey method. And it's a very hands-on technique and there's just sort of very few rules with it. One of them is sue them however you need to sue them because that's a very unique thing depending on the child. And so then there are other rules. You do need to lay your child down. Once they've got tired, that's when you're very hands-on. But you know your child better than anybody. You know when they're asking for help and so you pick them up whenever that is. So this is sort of is the technique that I use. But there are a lot of other things that we're looking into Before we even get started with that, we're looking at the routines, getting the child nice and relaxed. We're looking at age appropriate routines for a child. So there's lots of other things that we work on, environment, getting really nice and relaxed, lots of things before we even get started with any sleep training, because it all really helps. It's not just let's do this one thing and we're going to get great results because it's doing lots of things.
0: That makes a lot of sense. So I asked on Facebook if anyone had any sleep questions over on our Shameless Mom Academy Facebook page, and lo and behold, there was a lot of questions. (laughs) Uh, And I remember when I first started following you, I'm trying to remember, I think you did, I don't remember if it was daily or weekly. It might have been daily that you did Facebook Q&As.
1: No, it was weekly. Was it weekly? Okay. Yeah, I did it once a week. And I
0: was like obsessed with that. You would get all the questions and then you would answer them like throughout the day and because, and this was exactly like what happened when I asked it on Facebook, you get all these people who are asking at different ages and different places of child development about sleep questions, but reading through it every week, it was like a glimpse into my future. So I would always clue into the things that were relevant to Vinny's age at that time, but then I was always looking down the road, seeing like, okay, this is what I have to look forward to. And it was so helpful because I felt like then when we got to later ages, I kind of knew what to do. But one of the really consistent pieces of advice that you – had that was helpful to us. You've kind of touched on it already was the idea of routines around sleep time. And I remember starting that with Vinny. And I think you said, you know, 15 minutes and like sit down in the room, make the room quiet and darkish and read a few stories and sing a few songs and have this like routine that you are always repeating every time you go to bed, which worked really well for him. And we still have like a huge routine around going to bed and going to sleep. And it's evolved over time sometimes I feel trapped because I think I'm going to be singing him songs until he's like 15. But but it works. And funny, like now I catch myself doing the routine. And he's getting close, I think, to dropping naps. And he's almost four. So it's probably about Mm -hmm. time. But I find myself like still singing him to sleep almost every time he's home for a nap. So usually he's at school during nap time. But on the weekends, I sing him to sleep and like rub his head. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm probably spoiling the child a little bit, but it's like the sweetest thing. And it's just something that he, it's part of our routine and it's worked really well for us. And now it's like these precious moments that I know are limited. I can't stop myself. So I want to kind of go through some of the questions that we had on the Facebook page and then... I've kind of broken it up by age. So let's start with the babies, the little ones. I know that when Vinny was born, like the day he was born, I was like, okay, let's start a schedule. (laughs) And I kept (laughs) waiting and it made me crazy. And I remember, I know I posted multiple questions on your Facebook page at that time. Like, when is this routine going to start? Everyone was like, oh yeah, three naps a day. And I'm like, okay, like, do we start it when he's like a week old or... It took forever to get to this place where it was like, I really wanted like at nine o'clock, there's a nap at 12 o'clock, there's a nap at four o'clock or whatever. I wanted this like very set in stone thing that did not happen. So how long does it take for babies to settle into sleep routines in terms of consistency with nap time and bedtime?
1: I wouldn't even try and get on a routine until at least 12 weeks of age. Wouldn't even try. Yeah. And then it can take you a couple of months. You're set in stone pretty much at six months. That's what I felt
0: like with us. It took six months.
1: Yeah. Uh, but then it's kind of constantly changing anyway. If you're trying to get into a routine too early, it's just so stressful for everybody. So don't <laughs> even start till 12 weeks. Then at 12 weeks, start introducing fairly loose routines. And then that will get kind of tightened up naturally by the time you get to about six months. Okay, that makes sense.
0: So in that first 12 weeks, then you're just letting the baby sleep when they want to sleep and feeding them when they want it. Like everything is just kind of taking their cues. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, you're in okay. survival mode. You've just given birth to a <laughs> <Right>. human being. <laughs> so you're in survival mode. You do whatever you need to do to get everybody as much sleep as possible. As long as it's safe. Mm-hmm. You feed the baby whenever they need feeding. Remembering that if you're nursing... Feeding is not just about food. It's about comfort. It's about attachment. It's about all these other things as well. So you feed your baby whenever they need to be fed and you just survive.
0: And then what are your thoughts on things like having a baby in a co-sleeper or in a swing or we had like the little Fisher Price rock and play for the first couple of months and I was paranoid. I was like, Vinny's never going to sleep flat because he's always in this little like rocker thing that's on a slant. In the first few Mm -hmm. months, are those kinds of things just like whatever works is
1: fine? Oh gosh, yes. Whatever you need to do. As okay. long as it's safe. Yeah, you're fine. Okay.
0: Is there anything? I'm laughing as I say this because like every parent's dream is like, what's the magic trick to minimize nighttime waking? And my mom again was like, well, then when they're a week old, just put some rice cereal in the bottle. <laughs> but I know that my doctor was like, please do not do that. So is there anything? And this would go from any note from a newborn, but even in any time in that first year or two, I know there's a lot of children that wake very frequently in the night. And that for some babies, that slows down after three months. But for some babies, it's they're up four times a night the whole entire first year. Is there anything that
1: we parents can do to minimize nighttime waking? Yes, there is. So a lot of feeds, especially as children get a little bit older, they happen because of hunger. And so children need so much milk per 24 hours. We don't want to just sort of be thinking that with a three-week-old, we can just keep feeding during the day. They won't need it at night. They suddenly will. But hunger is the reason for a lot of waking. Okay. But it's normal for us to wake. Humans wake between two and six times, and that's an adult. So children who are in bed for longer will wake more times during the night. Waking is only an issue if we struggle to get back to sleep. So an insomniac wakes, struggles to get back to sleep, is awake for hours and hours. Mm -hmm. A child who is fed or rocked to sleep will wake as it's normal to do but they can only get back to sleep by being fed or rocked okay that's when it's a little bit more of a problem because they don't have the skills to do it themselves so we can teach the skills and that's when we do some sleep training to teach the child to fall asleep more independently, that does not mean that we are eliminating all night feeds because a child still may need to feed. And I believe children may need to feed until they're around 12 months of age. But that would just be sort of once during the night, not up four times a night or waking every hour.
0: So when you do have those babies that are getting up multiple, what kind of sleep training do you do for the babies that are in that nine to 12 months and they're still getting up multiple Mm -hmm. times versus Mm -hmm. just the
1: one? Yeah, there's plenty that we can do. I like to start by working on the daytime routine first. A great routine for a child who's over six months and uh, still napping twice a day or even three times would be the two, three, four routine. And you may remember this. Yes, I think I do. Did yes. So awake for two hours, then a nap, awake for three hours, then a nap, awake for four hours and then down for the night. So with three hours total nap sleep, we have a 12 hour day. This, honestly, is my secret weapon when it comes to sleep, especially with that sort of seven, eight, nine, ten 10 month old kids, because this will then it's what children naturally kind of fall into this sort of routine. You need to tweak your nighttime routine, just those a little bit. But we can as much as half nighttime wake ups by just working on that those daytime routines
0: I temporarily forgotten the two, three, four rule. But I do remember that I made myself a slave to it when Vinny was little. And because it worked very well. But I like didn't leave the house because I was like, no, like he can only Mm -hmm. be up in these certain intervals. But he was an amazing napper. And still to this day, I mean, he's gonna be four in a few weeks, and he still naps every single day. I feel like we got a really consistent sleep routine down for him and just consistency of habit. And I know that I remember when I before I had him, I had a couple clients of mine at the gym. Many of them had children, but I remember a couple in particular who were like, we are complete. Like sleep Nazis at our house. We make such a big deal about sleep and we like stay home for parts of the day because of it. And we come home early from events in the evening because of our children's sleep schedule. But they said there's sometimes that can be hard, but the positive side is that our kids sleep through the night earlier and our kids nap super routinely. And there's just this like predictability about our life and our household and this peacefulness about it that makes it worth it. And so I very much followed that. And I found that that two, three, four method made a really big difference. And It was kind of the beginning of like us having a really solid foundation on sleep. For those of you listening who haven't tried that yet, I would highly recommend it. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is understood explains and it will pop right up click on it pick your episode and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school this episode is supported by earn in life doesn't happen bi-weekly so why should payday the money you earn now can be in your hands today with earnin earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to 100 dollars per day or up to $750 dollars per pay period you Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earnin can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, When I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. Earning is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC.
1: Definitely a really, really good routine. Yeah.
0: So you told me when Vinny was really small that we can't create bad habits before three months. So at what age do we need to start worrying about? I know that you said they can sleep in anything that's safe and co-sleeping and all those kinds of things. Like we don't have to worry about trying to break quote unquote, break a bad habit. Is -hmm. there an age when we do need to start worrying about that? Or like at what point do you kind of have, where do you start guiding the children a little bit more than Mm -hmm. following their cues?
1: I would do that from around 12 weeks, but it doesn't mean you have to kind of stop everything. It's not an all or nothing. And a lot of it depends on the child's temperament as well. With a three month old, you may think it's going to actually be very hard to change where they're sleeping and it may well be you can leave it a little bit longer the older the child gets the trickier it is to break habits so with a six-month-old still super easy with a 18-month-old it's much trickier right
0: I know that a couple people asked about letting children, and I think it was relevant for like one to two year olds, letting them fall asleep in one place and then moving them. So maybe they fall asleep in a co-sleeper or something and then moving Mm -hmm. them into a crib. Is there an age where you would suggest like starting them in the place they're going to sleep all night and letting that be the routine versus making it easier on yourself by starting them
1: in Mm a predictable place? You would definitely want to be having them sort of somewhere predictable by around nine months. Okay. Because- falling asleep somewhere and waking up somewhere else can be a bit of a shock to the system. Okay, that makes sense.
0: So I know that for us, we had like the same routine before nap time and before bedtime, it was pretty much identical. And it was always like reading two or three books. And this was like, I remember that when I started this, I was like, doesn't even look at the book, we did that. (laughs) And then we would sing like two or three songs or something. And so and that was the same routine every time he went to sleep, whether it was nap time or bedtime at night. Is there any other suggestions or anything you want to add to that or be more specific about with those kinds of routines? Because I do think that that is was so key for us. And I'm sure that would be really helpful for other families that are looking to how to structure that.
1: Yeah. So you want to have a 15 minute nap time routine, about a 45 minute night routine, and they need to be really consistent. Okay. Same thing, same place, same order whenever you're at home. This is really going to help with the falling asleep, but also with the remaining asleep.
0: Okay. So the nighttime routine being 45 minutes significantly longer, does that include like bath pajamas kinds of things? Okay. So I think that the big point is that it's consistent and predictable for the children. It's not super important whether it's like two stories versus three songs.
1: No, not in the slightest. As long as you stick with what it is that you get, and it doesn't have to be three songs every single night. You would just have the consistency is with the songs. Okay. One okay. night to lengthen it out, you may have three songs, right. but then the next night to make your routine a little bit shorter, you may have one, okay. but you kept the songs part there. Okay. So that's what the consistency is with, is with each step rather than you don't have to sing the same songs. You don't have to read the same book. Very old, very quickly, but the book <laughs> step is always there. The song step is always okay. there. That makes sense.
0: <laughs> that's so funny because Vinny requested from the time he could verbalize from probably like one to two we sang the exact same two songs every single time he went to sleep <laughs> and now from three to four it's been the exact same two song. and i'm like can we please get some new music and he is yeah. just such a creature of habit like it would totally ruin everything if i introduced a new song so i'm stuck <laughs> to these like these songs i will be singing them in my grave yes So how can we get three to four year old kids to go to bed earlier or sleep later in the morning? Great question. I might be personally motivated by
1: this. (laughs) (laughs) So if they're going to sleep late and or waking early, it may be because they're getting too much daytime sleep. Okay. So especially with three to four year old, it's very normal to drop a nap anytime from three years old on. So you may want to work on reducing that down. It doesn't mean that now the nap is gone, but you may want to reduce it by about 15, 30 minutes. And that would mean that you'd need to wake your child, but then they should have an easier time. And you're going down either at the beginning of the night or in the morning, and you just then kind of keep reducing that nap as you need to when you see that you're beginning to struggle to fall asleep or waking earlier.
0: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And I do see that Vinny's a disaster when he doesn't take a nap, but I do see that it impacts nighttime sleep. It does help. So that makes a lot of sense. For children who are not napping and they're just early risers, is that just the nature of the child or is there anything that you can do to extend wake up?
1: It can be. Some adults are early birds and certainly children can be. There's some things that we can do, luckily. One thing you want to do is make sure that the room is very, very dark. If it's very light in the room as the sun comes up, then that will stop the production. So sleeping in the dark will most certainly help. And then looking as well at what time night time's happening. If they're going down to bed at six and they're waking at five, that's actually a normal amount of sleep. Right. So it's not really classed as an early wake up because they're getting enough sleep.
0: Okay. Like I've found that putting a child to bed later. So like on a night, let's say we're up late doing some sort of family event and Vinny's up until like nine or ten. It does not correlate with a later wake up in the morning. In fact, oftentimes it's earlier. Is that just because they're kind of off their routine mm-hmm. and they're going to wake up at the same time no matter what, even if you move them, even yes. if you bump it later? Okay. Because
1: they're programmed to kind of get up at the same time each morning. Right.
0: So if you're going to start adjusting sleep, do you recommend or adjusting like to a later bedtime to try to push an earlier morning bedtime, then do you recommend doing like really small increments?
1: Yeah. 10, 15 minutes, okay. making a shift 10, 15 minutes every three or four days. Okay. And you've even talked about that right
0: around when we have the time changes. I've seen you mention that multiple times, like over the week before we're going into daylight savings or back to standard time that to do those little 15 minute shifts over the course of the week or two leading up to that.
1: Yeah, that's exactly that's the perfect way to do it. And it's the same way that you kind of manage jet lag.
0: Yeah. Okay. So how do you get three to four year olds to go to bed and stay in bed instead of getting up for 1 million requests?
1: Well, three, four-year-olds are expert procrastinators. <laughs> they are. They could. I'm not sure why they don't have a special Olympics for toddler <laughs> procrastinators. Because they're very, very good at it. If you have a child who's just not tired, they're not just not going to fall asleep. Okay. So making sure that they're nice and tired, making sure that they're nice and relaxed as well can really help. If you go through their day with them, so that will help them kind of put their day to bed. Okay, like and talking to, through their day before bed? Yeah. Like a lot of us now will journal before bed, it's just Mm. kind of getting everything out, and so it's kind of like doing exactly the same thing just talking through your child with about their day, and that may help them kind of just put that day to bed, which will just help them be that little bit more relaxed. But it does generally take a long time for toddlers, preschoolers to fall asleep. It's not necessarily a problem unless it's taking hours and hours. Okay, anything under an hour to be honest with a procrastinator is pretty good.
0: Okay. Apparently, I have a procrastinator. It takes quite a while. It's just up there talking to himself. He can go poop three times before bedtime, and he will still have to get up and go poop after he gets in bed. And I don't know how he plans it this way. It's impressive. I'm like, how is there still something in there? I don't understand. Is there anything else you want to tell us about sleep and or preserving one's
1: sanity around sleep? I mentioned it earlier that it's only a problem when it's a problem. And don't let anybody tell you otherwise. That if you're quite happy with the way that your child is sleeping and they're getting to sleep, then just keep going because that's saving your sanity. Because the thought of changing anything when it comes to sleep is quite frankly terrifying because you're thinking that I'm getting as much sleep as I possibly can right now, as is my child. If I make changes, chances are it's going to get worse before it gets better. And so don't do that on a whim. If you are going to make changes, then get a really good solid plan together so that you're going to be able to just really follow through. Studies have been done and show that any sleep training method technique is as effective as any other as long as you're consistent. And that really, really is key is that you've got a really good plan, follow through, and you're not giving it. that's when things do not work.
0: Right. That makes sense. So for people who don't have a good plan, you say like, don't mess with a good thing. Like if you feel like you don't have a good thing going on and you want to make some changes, I know you have a program coming up. It's a 28 day easy sleep package. Can you talk a little bit about what that and what that offers families?
1: So it's a brand new package that I have, and it is going, giving you step-by-step instructions for teaching your child to fall asleep more independently. So there are videos each week we're looking at the temperament of your child the issues that they have we're looking at the daytime routines environment absolutely everything breaking it all down into little steps then we get started with some gentle sleep training using the mickey method for the nighttime. once we got our nights into a great place then we work on our naps and then we kind of tidy everything up because your child's going to be sleeping great at night we have to then go back and look at our routines again because they're not going to be catching up with sleep during the day. So we just kind of circle right back and look at those routines. So step by step instructions for gently teaching your child to sleep a little more independently.
0: Oh, I love that. So where can we find information on the the twenty eight day easy sleep package?
1: So you can go to my website, which is www. dot com. You can find out about the package there, and then you can see. All the other things, all the other packages, the way that I work with families as well. But you can also find a ton of information on my blog. I blog every single week about sleep, funnily enough. And so there's a lot of information there. And you can search for naps or regressions or nighttime or pacifier, whatever it is. And that will bring up every single blog post that mentions that. And so there's a lot there. You can get a lot of information from the blog.
0: Oh, that's great. So, and then is everything, all of your information and ways that people can reach you and work with you is over at childrensleepconsultant.com? That's correct. Okay. So we will link this all up over on our show notes over at shamelessmom.com. And in addition to that, because you don't just work with families, you're here in Seattle with me, but you do not work just with families locally, correct? Oh, no. uh, Yeah.
1: I work with families all over the country. Okay, amazing. This has
0: been so helpful, Rebecca. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. And we are going to sign off here in a minute, but I want to make sure that everyone knows they have all these links to the show notes and everything that Rebecca has mentioned, including where to find that 28-day easy sleep package and more information on the Mickey method and blog posts that she mentioned. So that'll all be over at shamelessmom.com. Thank you, Rebecca. This was really helpful. This made me motivated to be more specific with some of our routines and maybe then you won't get out of bed so many times to poop every
1: night. And you've got to remember though, when it comes to pooping, humans poop at the same time each day. So that'd be a tricky one. I
0: know. It's so funny. I don't mind that he poops at night. I just wish he could like do it all at once instead of instead of holding some for after bedtime.
1: But that's just what he does. That's right. just now become his new normal. It has. Totally. Totally. <laughs>
0: okay. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you loved this interview with Rebecca and I hope you got some great information for you and your little ones to get a better night's sleep starting today or maybe just a better nap or a longer nap. Wouldn't that be nice? Just long naps for everyone all day long. So if this episode was helpful or if you think that it would be helpful to another mom with a little one of any age, please do share the episode. You can go over to shamelessmom.com and find the episode with Rebecca, Mickey. It's gonna be episode 54. And then from there, you can get the link to share the episode. You can also always share from our social media pages over on Instagram and Facebook at the Shameless Mom Academy. And from there, you can share direct links from this episode onto other people's pages or via email. And then for those of you listening in for the first time, know that we do release episodes every Monday and Wednesday. And if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review, that will take you right into our iTunes page where you can subscribe. So as soon as our new episodes are released, they will be in your little podcast app and you can find them right away to listen in every Monday and Wednesday. And as well, while you're there at shamelessmom.com forward slash review, please do leave us a review and let me know what you thought of the show today or what you think of the show in general, if you've been listening for a while. Our reviews matter. It helps us get ranked in iTunes. It helps people know that this is serious business, this Shameless Mom Academy. And uh, we are standing strong and tall and proud and loud and making a bit of a scene here as I do my best to help as many moms as possible. So I thank you for the support and I thank you for the reviews and I thank you for sharing this episode and all our episodes. And I can't wait to chat with you again in just a few days on our next episode. So until next time, make sure no matter what you do today, you do it shamelessly. Feel like you're the martyr in your family.